0: Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. And welcoming (laughs) back...
1: Zakia. Yay! Hello, Zakia. Yay! Hello! I'm Hello! So happy, to, so happy to be here. Mm.
0: Yes, we are very happy to have you back. So much fun. Lots to lots of to discuss in today's episode, but real quick, we'll just do a quick catch-up. We know everybody's doing awful. Um <laughs> you know, like, continues to rage. Um, you know. Uh, <laughs> What, what, uh, how was everybody's holiday if you did anything? Did you Zoom anybody or just sit at home and eat <laughs> by yourself?
1: <laughs> well, for me, the latter. Yes, I sat at home with my cat and I ate um, not even Thanksgiving food. Right. But it's okay. But it's okay. <laughs> it's
2: fine. That, that's fine. I mean, that's that's okay. I, I was like... Um, I was like, I hope people... I wish everyone a Thanksgiving with the members of their household. (laughs) Um,
0: Joe, your family cooked a lot. I saw mutual friends. I guess you had sent them some plates. Uh,
2: Yes, I did. So, you know, my family, we... um, My dad, it was just me and my mom and my dad. um, And uh, over um, Father's Day slash my dad's birthday, which is also in May, um, they we got him a smoker like uh, a giant like a big smoker so we he used it and he smoked a turkey but not like a full on the bone turkey like you know like some breast and some thighs and stuff so he smoked a turkey he smoked a rack of ribs and you know even though there's only 3 of us we made food for like you know 30 right and
3: mm-hmm.
2: so we're, we're I made soup yesterday with the leftovers uh, for Turkey and then we'll probably be eating all of that food until then. But yes, I, I made friends for, I made food with, for some friends who I knew weren't going to have any food or at least were just going to have pie. And it was, um, it was like a double thing. It was like, oh, I get to feed someone who, just so they can still have a holiday and then also like, you know, unburden myself with so many leftovers. So, yeah. Is it? It's a. It was a self-serving,
0: <laughs> as much as it was
2: uh, selfless. <laughs>
0: yeah, I. Uh, yeah, we. I don't know. We. Yeah, we cooked like we were having a ton of people over on Friday. Jeffery mm-hmm. and I. Cooked all kinds of food. I'm like, well, who is going to eat all this? <laughs> <laughs> so now we're just sitting like, in the for lunch
2: the next week. And you, and you're not because I, I didn't realize there were people like this, but there are people who like don't like leftovers. Mm. And I like actively was planning already like different things I could do. How how many ways I can repurpose the flesh of this turkey? <laughs> um, but like, so, but you're you're good with leftovers. Like, you eat leftovers, right? I mean.
0: I'm not great at it. Jeffrey is, though. So
2: got it. Okay. Uh,
0: it has to be like particular things. Like I made these really awesome potatoes au gratin. They're delicious mm. and like all from scratch with like cheddar and Gruyere and all kind of deliciousness. Uh, so I will eat those. Um yeah. those, they're really tasty even warmed up. Um, the turkey. I'm not a big fan of turkey in general um so yeah it gets kind of dry so i was thinking that we could take it and make like a stock out of it maybe make some soup with the meat mm-hmm. um so we'll see i don't know jeffrey was in there today shredding it and making like a ch- turkey salad you know mm-hmm. um with some mayonnaise and stuff this is um so exciting for this our is turkey talk our dear listener. Yes. Um, this is horrifying for a vegan <laughs> true yeah i
1: I'm vegetarian. I love I love Thanksgiving food. I actually made Thanksgiving dinner like two months ago for friends because I wasn't sure what Thanksgiving would look like, and thank God I did that because yeah, Thanksgiving was kind of a mess. Um, but yeah, I had made like you know the stuffing and the um, mac and cheese and y- mm. candy yams and stuff, and yeah, it was it was good, and it did keep for leftovers. We ate it all week, and it was great. It was great.
0: Now, where does everybody fall on the cranberry sauce? <laughs> debate
2: We don't do cranberries okay. in my household, in my family oh, in my culture. There are like, reasons.
0: like, oh, just
2: well, because I mean, you know, it's i I mean this is one of those uh Joe's from Guam type things, and yes. I, I didn't know that I didn't know that cranberries were a thing. Also, like when people ask me,, um, does your family cook the traditional food? In my mind, I'm like, yes, we cook our traditional food, <laughs> we may not cook like white people's traditional food, but we cook right. we cook our own, and we already have there, there's already like I guess the purpose of cranberries is the acid to break up the heaviness of the meal, and so we already have that acid introduced in various ways throughout the meal. So, um, yeah, so we I don't do it
0: it's like a palate cleanser, you know, having that little yeah. burst of it. Hmm.
2: And and for me, like, you know, cranberries are, you know, dried and served with oatmeal or juice for a urinary tract infection. So uh. it's, <laughs>
1: <Fair>. <laughs>
2: but, but, but Zakia, where do you fall?
1: I mean, I didn't know that cranberry sauce came from like a fruit until I was <laughs> much, much older. Um, I like the can, it's perfect cylinder that you slice. It's very satisfying in its, you know. <laughs> Consistency over my lifetime, and um, I just I always say like the the stuff that you know grownups make, where you know they actually use real cranberries and they like have a recipe and stuff. Like that's a different dish. Like that's yeah. like belong. Like that's a different category of food, which is good and tasty in its own. But like on Thanksgiving Day, I want to eat a cylinder that's purple. and like melts in my mouth like and yeah that's that's what I want like
2: like coagulated fruit juice yeah like
1: yes yes exactly Going the same
0: way yeah
1: yeah Yeah, there's some things about the things you ate when you were you know young and even though they are you know objectively terrible uh that's really satisfying
0: (laughs) totally (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, what's something? Because Jeffrey buys them with, um, I think the first year that we did something for it, um, he bought, and I was like, i oh, make sure you pick up cranberry sauce. Cause I didn't even think that he would choose something with cranberries in it. Like, <laughs> I figured he knew exactly what I was talking about. <laughs> And he's like, what? Because what? I open it up. I'm like, what is this crap?
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm
0: looking for the gel. The gel. Yeah,
3: I'm like, yeah. what?
0: <laughs> it's like, I didn't think people actually ate that stuff. I'm like, oh my God, I oh, love it. So we yeah. always have a can because every now and again I get a craving for it. So we always have a can of it in the, you know, just to open up and eat.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. All right, Joe,
0: what um, you I was going to say, what is,
2: um, what's something that, like you always wanted to do as a kid, but you didn't get to do it until you started to have your own meals. You're like your own, your host, your own events. Or I don't know if there is something. And I, and I say that being like fully thirty thirty one 31 years old and having like never hosted my own, like Thanksgiving for people because the holidays are so family oriented that like, I never, I always will go and it'll always be family stuff on the day of at least you don't um, envision
0: I'm- you and and uh and and your special man friend having your own one day uh maybe one day but
2: but like, you know, cause we, he's also very family oriented too. And right. he, and he, so, you know, we would probably, and all our family pretty much live here in San Diego. So, you know, no matter what, we would just be going to different, you know, it would probably be like breakfast here, brunch here or something like that. Right. But like my, like my sincerest wish for the future is to like just do an orphan, like holiday celebration. So it's just yeah, like people like, who okay. don't have any exactly like I love that you do that and that's something like I've always wanted to do for myself
1: yeah I've done a lot of orphan holidays I think the closest thing um one year a friend and I made a sweet potato pie and she did not know that sweet potato pie was a, even a thing and I was like what I must <laughs> you must you must and um uh, and my mom usually made it and um, when I was a kid and stuff and um to make one myself and I had never made a pie. We, you know, made the crust and the whole thing. Mm. It's very very satisfying, you know? Yeah. Mm,
3: That's
2: awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yams and sweet potatoes aren't even, aren't a thing that we do either. Mm. So like last year, um, in the evening I was invited to a friend's place and, they make the very traditional, like, quote unquote, American style food. And I was eating it. And I'm like, I was like, okay, I can see why, you know, <laughs> I can see why people like this. And like, it was the yams and the cranberries that I was like very much, and stuffing and green bean, like everything but the turkey and the mashed potatoes. <laughs> like, it's all, it's like all the side stuff.
1: Mm, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Yay. I just
0: wanted to have, you know, dinners where there wasn't like fighting and screaming. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we were talking about that because it's like, man, yeah, I don't have, like, a lot of good memories of, like, the holidays. Like, the food, of course, mm-hmm. yeah, fine. We got to eat, yay. Um, but, you know, our house was just always very, um, <laughs> what do you want to call it? Just um, just bubbling with a- aggravation. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I just wanted to kind of remove all of that kind of thing, you know, and really and taking, the like, this whole, the mythology out of it, you know what I mean, and getting that opportunity to have, like, a dinner and being like we're having an indigenous solidarity dinner. We're yeah. having an anti-colonialism <laughs> dinner. We're and and to be with people that understood what that meant and you know and to have those kinds of conversations. Um, you know, which obviously applies to today. We'll get into when we talk about the uh, the, the film. Um, you know, so I guess that was kind of the thing for me, was just like, man, can we, can, is it possible to have a dinner where everybody just like calmly talks and has a good time <laughs> without throwing things? Or and that
1: trying. happened with our friends? Like, I like, so, <laughs> when did, so when did that happen? I, I think I missed that year. Um But sure, okay, sounds, sounds great. Sounds fair, great.
0: Fair, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to bring the fan out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, what is this T-shirt you're wearing? Is it Frankenfurter?
2: It is Frankenfurter. Okay. So there's actually a story behind this. So I, um, I have a my monthly or my weekly Throwback Thursday movie night with a dear friend of the show, Eve, Eve mm-hmm. Parker. And so um, for October, we were all doing our different like horror Halloween picks, and my pick was. Um, Rocky horror and James Jimmy Kins had never seen Rocky horror before. So I like, you know, I got some lipstick. I drew like a V on his forehead and right. <laughs> you know, all the props and stuff. And this is going to be the thing I was going to wear, but um, you know, I ordered it from fright rags. They don't advertise, but we wish they would. Oh, um, I love fright, rags. Yeah, love fright rags. And so they, I, mean, I think you're wearing a shirt from them, right? Are you wearing a fright rag shirt? Oh no, That's this a- is cavity colors. Oh, okay. Okay. So, um, and so I asked, I meant to send it, I was staying with James at the time. And so I meant to send it to James's house. It ended up going to his office that he hasn't been working at since March. And so when he went into the field many weeks later, he finally picked it up from his desk, which he was kind of surprised that someone was still there, like checking the mail and, you know, no one emailed him about it because it's like whoever checked the mail and just dropped it at his desk and then left yeah. didn't think to be like, hey, you haven't been sitting at your desk since March. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm like wearing the shit out of it now because, you know, it's a beautiful frankenfurter and this very, very delicious red lip.
0: Yeah, no, mm. it's great. It's so funny because, you know, where we where we work, the mail has been kind of stalled, so we're getting, like, you know, no, we don't get any mail for, like, you know, a month, and then we get these big buckets filled with, you know, tons of mail to go through, which is so fun uh, when you have, you know, 60-plus providers all getting, you know, bullshit from every pharmaceutical company out there I was gonna say like a lot of you like know, buy our drug <laughs> right all kinds of stuff so it's just like stacks and stacks of things and plus we get tons of mail for like people that don't work there anymore because we have a residential program and so they change all the time so there's constantly mail from like, for residents like three years ago it's like oh my gosh so we just get these big buckets of it so super fun <laughs> but then we do have to email people so we we actually we're the ones that do that hey we got your package here come get it and they yeah. usually show up, you know, a few weeks later for it. <laughs> um, Zakia, have you been watching The Crown?
1: Oh, have I? Uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> Are you caught up? <laughs> have you finished the latest uh, season?
1: I'm, I think I have like four more episodes left in the latest season. Um, they just went to Australia.
0: Okay, um, yeah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. yeah. Joe had brought yeah. it up before we started recording, and so I wanted to ask before he talked about it just in case you know I didn't yeah. want to spoil anything. I mean, not that it's not already spoiled that. you know, 30 years <laughs> ago for some reason it is race. history.
1: <laughs> Although I'm always like, what? Is that real? Like I yeah.
0: <laughs> It's like, let me Google this. Is this real? Who, who yeah. does this? <laughs> yeah, Was there anything specific that you wanted to talk about it, Joe? Speaking of colonialism and... Yes,
2: speaking of colonialism and the the Australia episode, which, like, you know, God bless, they brought out the Duke, (laughs) the actor who plays the Duke in Moulin Rouge to play some, like, uh, Australian. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, did Baz Luhrmann direct this? Um, (laughs) But, um, yeah, I think what I love about the show is how just... It, 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 the, see, I my favorite season is still last season, so it's still the season three. Hmm. But I just love this like descent into the like monstrosity that is Charles, mm,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> and kind of seeing, like, seeing season three really like endeared me to him, and so of like like this is like oh, by the way, he's he's awful. Like the character <laughs> of Charles in the Crown is is just garbage human being trash um that being said like he also was under immense pressure from the family and um and then when Dickie died i did not i was like i did not see that coming i was just like okay they're making a big deal about the ira i think someone's about to get <laughs>
1: I had, like. <laughs> when that happened. I was like, I was like, why are they showing all these slow ass, boring scenes <laughs> of fucking like uh, hunting and whatever? I was just like, uh, please. And I like, completely forgot about that. They had been like, you know, telegraphing what was going to happen, and it was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, yeah, okay, this makes sense.
2: <laughs> I thought we were gonna get. I thought we were gonna get. um uh princess anne's like attempted kidnapping (laughs) and
3: because
2: apparently she was like attempted to be kidnapped because like well i love anne is one of my favorites but like we didn't get we didn't get princess anne's attempted kidnapping we did get princess anne wins a silver silver medal and is like meddled by the queen at the olympics like we didn't get we didn't get those two things but we did get you know like that whole awful, like we did get like very ten, like the tension between uh, Diana and Camilla. Um, is there any, so you know how like they have this very, like the royals have that very affected accent, the one that's the very inbred Hapsburg accent. Is there a word that they say that you just like can't get out of your mind? Like you just have to repeat it? because um, i watched too many interviews with josh o'connor who like spoiler alert is delicious in every way shape and form and he he's like yeah when i get into charles like i the way i the way i like the word that i say to try to get into the charles accent is y- yes but he said the way you do that is you say ears oh, with yeah. a british accent ears.
0: was interviewed and said the same thing yeah uh, he is
2: yeah he is. Is, he is is i think I, and then with diana emma Corrin she was like the way i get into diana is that she has a down like it goes down at the end of the word so she says all right she's like all right all right all right <laughs> i just <laughs> some like the that i oh. love that he says oh. um i oh. like the way he says camilla he's like camilla <laughs> camilla <laughs> This is thrilling. This is this, <laughs> this is horrifying for people.
1: Dialect uh, one hundred and one. Exactly. <laughs> no.
0: I like um, in the first season. I think it's a, with Claire Foy, where she comes in and says, "Like, can I speak with you?" a meow mint. It's like meow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like my
0: favorite. So I do that to <laughs> all the time. Like, speak with meow mint. Like, it's so terrible, uh, uh, it's so bad, but that's what it little is. Bit. It sounds like just saying meow, meow, mint, meow, mint, everything has 50 syllables
2: in it. It's oh my gosh! I did love that we got Claire Foy in South Africa. Like, it
3: was neat uh, to see her, yeah. Well, I,
2: I don't know, Z, I don't know, are you there yet? And uh, are you in? No,
1: South okay,
2: no. so wow. we're gonna get an apartheid episode, which, oh,
1: great. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and Claire Foy um, comes back? That's great. I thought she was so good. I kind of miss her. Even though I love Olivia Coleman, you know. Um, and it's, it's weird. It's interesting that you like season three the most. I missed, like, I miss Claire Foyle, Claire Foy, even though I really love Olivia Coleman, because um, I think I missed uh, the Queen just being likable. Like she wasn't likable <laughs> in season three; she was just like on everybody's case. She was really uptight. It's kind of fun in season four to see her playing against Margaret Thatcher, where Thatcher can be sort of the bad guy, right. and she can be a little more, you know, human. Um, in comparison to Margaret
2: Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's,
1: that's the bar.
2: <laughs> it's like, can we like press two times fast forward every time Margaret Thatcher speaks so we can get to the point? I, I think I texted Joshua. I was like, I wonder if Jillian Anderson got like any severe damage to her vocal cords doing that <laughs> Thatcher voice. <Yeah.
3: laughs> (laughs) Yeah, your Majesty.
2: (laughs) It's like very excruciating. I was like, "Wow!" The way she's like, like genuflecting in front of the queen is the way is like how slow I know to like get down on the floor to
1: pick something up (laughs) from the ground. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh boy! Oh man! her crown
0: (laughs) it was enjoyable I mean yeah it was an enjoyable season I could always do with more Helena Bottom Carter I like her character and absolutely uh, I would have liked I mean really to see more of like the Margaret Thatcher they were just trying to tell a lot of story this season Mm -hmm.
3: that Mm -hmm. I feel like
0: it's too bad they couldn't have gotten like maybe two more episodes just to Mm -hmm. you know just to beef up because it moves really fast I mean one episode you go from like there's like three or four years in it you know it it moves so quickly So there's just, there's a lot of stories that get lost, um, you know, along the way. So, but yeah, it's enjoyable. Um, all right. So I was trying to think of any good horror news (laughs) to share. (laughs) Um, I don't know. Mm. I'm sure there's something I have, you know, I have to admit I haven't been, I mean, other than watching for the show, I haven't been, I've been rewatching old stuff, you know, old horror, but I haven't been, um, Doing
2: anything too, too new, so I have some horror news. Oh, okay. Oh, this is this is where we we divert. So the USA Today, um, and I actually was alerted to this uh, by a uh, former guest and dear friend of the show, Michael Verratti. Um yeah. USA Today released the top. I think it's the top twenty horror films of twenty twenty. Oh. Or it's the maybe it's the top fifty, but it's a top list of like the horror that came out, and they rank them. And um, Blood Quantum is on the list, oh. um, which is the movie we're talking about today. Um, spoiler alert for the second half of this episode. <laughs> and, and it was really interesting, but the number one film, and this is something that I have on my queue right now, the number one film is um, In His House which is about, I think, um, some refugees in Britain.
0: Yeah, I have it saved. It's on Netflix, I think.
2: Yes, it's on Netflix. So I have that saved. But there were some other ones that came up. And oddly enough, I think in the top 10, um, The Rental was in the top 10, oh, <laughs> which I thought was really interesting. Um, and then there's this other one that I um, that I have that I haven't watched yet. It's uh, 1BR, which is, um, I oh, guess I it's about it. a... Did you watch One BR? Did you like it?
0: Um, I did. I thought it was really strange. Uh, I think I talked briefly about it uh, when I watched it a couple of, um, you know, I think it's been a month or two that it was out. I think well, then I
2: need rough. to watch it because I it, it was it has been on my list for a little bit. But yeah, there were some other really cool ones that like I didn't hear be, I didn't hear because they were you know just very indie, very obscure. But I think that. Um, I think that uh, the rental was higher than Freaky to be quite honest. What but. was
0: that uh, that was on what list?
2: USA Today. Huh. Um, and Michael posted it because the image that they, the cover image for the article is an image not from Death Sember which his uh, short uh, all sales fatal is a part of but it's it's a it's a image from his um, from his uh, part of Death Sember. Uh, an image from All Sales Fatal. Wow,
0: they've got 86 films on here. Jeez.
2: Oh, see, so even right. higher. <laughs> and they all came out this year.
1: I had no idea.
2: Yeah, I had no idea either. And it, I do want to watch um, the one that it also made me, reminded me to watch, is Spell with Omari Hardwick and Loretta Divine. Yeah,
0: that looks really fun. I'm very curious about that. Um, it's on my list as well. Uh, I've got it saved. Yeah. Um, yeah blood quantum made 15 that's awesome good yeah there's actually a bunch on here that we've either that we've talked about um, or seen cool well we'll have to reference this for um you know some more uh, some more ideas see that's the thing you never run out of horror <laughs> <No>.
1: uh
0: <laughs> just when i'm like what are we gonna watch next uh, you know 15 things <laughs> i'm like oh there we go
1: Eighty-six movies were produced.
0: Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's one one of them during the pandemic. (laughs) Right. right. Uh, All right. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we will be right back to discuss Blood Quantum. Yay!
1: Hi! From feminism to fangirling, The Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app.
0: All right, welcome back. So today's episode concerns a 2019 Canadian horror film, Blood Quantum. Uh, Well, I guess it was released for the Toronto International Film Festival in 2019, but officially released here in the U.S. on Shudder in April of this year, 2020. May the Lord curse the year. (laughs) I'm kidding. I don't believe (laughs) it. Anyways, written and directed by Jeff Barnaby, who is a Mi'kmaq director. Uh, so very important to this story. It is all about how a zombie uprising affects it, the Red Crow Indian Reservation, where we find that the indigenous population is immune to it. So little kind of reversal there of, of of the history of of plague upon native peoples. Uh, let's start, Joe, like we usually do with your uh, initial thoughts. What did you think? Well, I watched this
2: the evening of Thanksgiving. Well, there we go. I watched it um, because we had, we celebrated our holiday, we had our holiday meal eh, for lunch at around one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, then we all proceeded to fall into a coma until about (laughs) six o'clock when we were going to do our family Zoom catch up. And so right before um, the Zoom catch up is when I was watching (laughs) the film. (laughs) I, you know, just good. I was like, let's just balance this all out, right? Let's <laughs> nice, warm feelings, and then plunge myself into uh, insecurity of viral plague. <laughs> um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, it was a slower burn than I was expecting for a zombie film, mm-hmm. um, which which I actually appreciated because it heightened the tension. And I that's I think that's something that um at least for me i don't get a lot of in zombie in zombie movies is that kind of that um you know anticipation of waiting for something you're i'm always i was just kind of waiting for a lot of the jump scares but i felt that there wasn't too many i thought there was very much like they took their time to develop it a little bit more so um but yeah overall i I liked it and this is something that i've been um ever since watching it i've been like telling people and and saying you all should watch this it's something that's really cool and 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 such a departure in terms of like style and uh in in terms of style and like i guess access to resources as the smudging was Mm -hmm. so it's nice to kind of see like them be bookends on the same shelf
0: yeah yeah. No, absolutely. Now, um, Zaki, I, I had remembered hearing about this film and I had really thought that we had discussed it before, not on the show, but talking about it, but Zakiya, you brought it up because uh, was it the red nation
1: podcast? Yeah, I was listening to it. And it was the first time I listened to that podcast. Um, even though it's been like in my queue forever and it was their Halloween episode and they were, they just talked about a lot of great things. And they mentioned this movie, um, And, um, it just like the conversation around it was so great that I immediately wanted to share it with you and a bunch of my friends. Um, and yeah, that's how I, that's how I found out about it right then. Yeah, yeah, I actually
0: need to go back and finish it because I was listening to them talk and uh, and it was going, you know, and I'm like, wow, this sounds awesome. It's, okay, I have to stop this. I need to go watch the movie and then come back. But I didn't go back to the conversation yet, which is really <laughs> shameful. I should have finished it before. But, they, I mean, I got really far into, like, some of the stuff they were talking about where I was just like, okay, I have to go watch this right now. I have to find this. Um, and like I said earlier, it is available on Shudder for uh, subscribers. Where else? Where, uh, where did you all find it? Shudder for me. Oh, okay.
1: I rented it from Amazon, Um, (laughs) but yeah, that was, that was like the only other easy option. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think they probably have it available maybe through shutter via Amazon as well. I think they have their own.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very cool.
0: What were your thoughts after watching it? And obviously you Uh, have a lot more context because you would would listen to that show, but just, you know, it's still a film, you know, so what did you think?
1: Yeah, I really liked it and I was pleasantly surprised because, you know, I hadn't heard about this movie through any other means, you know? So you're always a little like, oh, this is going to suck. But I loved it. I thought it was really funny. I laughed out loud a couple of times. I thought the cinematography was great. Um, yeah, it was a real pleasure. Like, I, and I also have been recommending it since I, I had a a, um, a Zoom call with a bunch of friends immediately after I watched it, and I was like, "You guys got to watch this movie, man!" <laughs> <laughs> like, and everyone was googling. Um, yeah, and interestingly enough, one of the people on that call uh, works; he's a social worker and works with indigenous people, so. He gave me a lot of like other historical information that I didn't know, um, which is really cool. So maybe he we'll get to He had seen the some. film. He had not seen the film and not heard about the film, but like just knew some of the like real life things with the Mi'kmaq and um, current struggles and that sort of thing. And so yeah, so we got into you know more talk about Indigenous life today. So. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to uh getting to that uh, yeah. conversation hearing what um uh, what what you pulled from that. Okay. Uh so first thing I do want to inform you dear listener if you're not aware of what uh the blood quantum idea is, like what mm-hmm. that means. Yeah. Um so it's this idea of like, oh, whoops, you know, who gets to claim indigeneity like how how do we define and we see this in lots of different ways obviously this was like basically like i mean it's very colonialist like you know this law to 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 place on like who qualifies for to, you know to be considered a, an indigenous person and then obviously the tribes also use it to say who i guess benefits from being from tribal association is that like a good way to put it i'm trying to think of like The best ways to define it, because there's a few I I was reading this article all about it and there was like, you know, these different um, differences of opinion on whether or not Mm -hmm. like tribes should be even using this because it was an idea created by white people, uh, you know, to deny citizenship or to, um, you know, or to force, you know, different, you know, whatever their whims were upon indigenous people. So at least within the context of of the film, the blood quantum laws, um, you know, based on the percentage of one's indigenous ancestry. And then, you know, I we have this a lot in our culture where it's like, oh, I'm one-sixteenth this or that, or, you know, I, I'm, you know, African by one drop, or, you yeah. know, those sorts of, these sorts of uh, yeah. ideas. But I think within the film, I think there are other things happening with the idea of blood quantum, because I also think of, like familial bonds, you know, who, who mm-hmm. gets to be real, you know, who is a real brother or sister, who is a real parent, who is a real member of the family. Cause obviously that's, you know, one of the main, um, uh, antagonisms of the film is this relationship between Lysol, um, and, um,
1: Joseph Joseph, and, Joseph yeah. and
0: trailer, yeah. you know, being half brothers, but not, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Lysol losing his mother. That's a whole other conversation about mothers, particularly mother earth. And then also real, you know, the idea of real mothers. Um, and then also, what was the other blood as like blood as a cure, you know? So then you have this other blood quantum of like, well, what is it about indigenous blood that makes them immune? Um, you know, so I think there's a few different ways to discuss like what the title means.
1: <laughs> well, does the word quantum on its own just mean like count? Like, like a, like a, like, I, I can see it almost being like a pun of like body count, you know, like mm. blood blood count, like yeah. there's, a, there's a bloody movie, you know, yeah. right. Right. Yeah. Just, just that, um, part of it. Um, I think it's interesting that like connecting, you know, the difficulty today of if you're, you know, if you've got um, a nation and an indigenous nation that has maybe some land or some property or some sort of dividends to be tossed out, you have to sort of draw the line somewhere. Right. And um, And so these blood quantums are kind of ways to figure that out. It's imperfect. And then sort of in this movie too, it's like, where do they draw a line you know there were there were, i think they said at one point these are these people who you know haven't looked at a brown pe- person in a while. you know like you know ha- had just like distance from growing up there and stuff and like what does it mean you know are we just going to let everybody in you know so these in these times of scarcity and times when you can't when resources are limited you have to start uh, deciding who gets and who doesn't. And that's, right. um, there's no, there are no easy answers
2: in that. Yeah, absolutely. The scene where um, where Lysol is like doing gate guard duty yeah. and then oh. Joseph and Charlie come back um, and they, you know, he's he goes on his tirade about like, you know, bringing people in and all that. And I was just like, this seems to be like, the best wish fulfillment for, for like, I'm like, someone wrote this and thought about like, what if their ancestors were alive? Um, <laughs> And then yep. at the and at the end of all of that, when they finally let them in, and then trailer is like, you can't bring this, and rips the blanket away from it. I'm like, yeah,
1: that's hilarious. It's, it's like
2: <laughs> we're all like, yep, don't like, get that blanket off. When, <laughs> Burn the <that> blanket.
1: <laughs> when he had that blanket, I was like, I could not concentrate because I was like, this fucking blanket needs to go. Like, why <laughs> is got Like. Get rid. So when he burned it, I was like, "Oh, relief! I can like move on. Like I can move on with my life." Because like get get we it out of here.
2: We were all thinking.
1: <laughs> but um, did you think it was interesting that it seemed like um, it it seemed like Lysol was right like uh, like the whole time? I mean, he's the bad guy. He's the you know you know tragic figure or whatever. But he's never wrong. Right. Um, yeah, they he explicitly he, say that. And they explicitly say it. And he's, you know, he's rude and all that other stuff. Um, and he's not very kind, but he's never wrong. And they, and like you said, they say it in the movie. Yeah.
0: Right.
2: So yeah. Lysol reminds
0: Very much in the wrong later. But yeah. Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, Lysol reminds me of. Um, and this might be really, you know, not to bring in, uh, like, you know, high, cult- high culture Western civilization, you know, in here. But, like, it reminds me of King Lear, the brother um, Edmund, who is the bastard of Gloucester in King Lear, where he's just, like, he has that tension of, like, being illegitimate, but still being, like in touch with his, you know, and all of that. And he's never wrong. But Mm -hmm. so like, I was like, okay, so here's a little bit, you know, here's me trying to, you know, apply my um, AP, like, (laughs) AP (laughs) comprehension um, into it. But like, I just kept thinking, like, wow, this is very much like that kind of story. But it's, you know, those themes hold true no matter what. Um, And especially when you're talking about Because that's another thing. When I think of blood, I also think about like who gets to inherit, right? Who inherits? Mm. Mm. Who is inheriting? And then you have Joseph, who is going to have an heir, but his like heir is half, and all of that stuff. And and then if you know, if the is the is the blood polluted if you bring in someone who is not native and having that kind of thing. And so Mm. thinking about that, but you know, to Z's point, it's like yes, like the you. It, Lysol is not wrong he is completely in the right and it's like yeah if you know that you are the people who like have this but you know by whatever by whatever fortune good fortune have this immunity you're going to protect that and you're going to protect your resources um, because I, is it Lysol or is it trailer that says like you know they you can't like turn but you can still get ripped <laughs> you can yeah. still be alive and I'm like
0: yeah I mean that's that's true Mm. I think the 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 woman says that not the mm. not their mother but um oh, what was her name the other the one that kind of helps out
1: the other woman um, I There's know. only 3 in the
0: movie I, so. I know but we, yeah which we'll talk about yeah <laughs> Yeah, what was her name? That's so. Are you different. talking about Doris? Are you talking about the woman Doris, on the she, the one who takes the blanket and throws it in because she comes in and she's like, "Yeah, we might be immune, but we could still." You oh no, no,
2: no, no! I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Doris as the woman on the radio. Oh yeah, she's like.
1: operator. Yeah, the one with the braids, the mm-hmm. the cornrows. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's
0: yeah. <laughs> it's not, and we we we'll definitely chat about that
3: because <laughs> when you
0: wrote because we were talking a little bit about it, and you posted in the comments like,
1: "Yeah, that's
0: fair." Assessment, yeah, it's not uh, great with women. Yeah. Um,
1: um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, I mean, there are some, you know, the women that are there, I think are interesting. But yeah, it's um, I yeah. Don't know. Um, so real, just to discuss a little bit so we can get into kind of talking about the colonial aspects. So something important to contextualize this film. It, Jeff Barnaby, the writer and director, uh, who is also, um, you know, part of the Mi'kmaq and was raised on uh, the reserve in Listigouge, uh, Quebec. So in 1981, the Quebec government decided they wanted to impose some new restrictions on the native uh uh, salmon, the, the fishermen mm-hmm. and and how they were how they were going about fishing, how they were using, you know, salmon, as they had for thousands of years, you know, th- these people have lived here and, you know, taken care of it. So the the government decided that they were going to intervene and the McMac, you basically said, fuck off and we're gonna do what we want to do. And the government was like, well, you've got, you know, whatever, 36 hours or 48 hours or whatever to pull your nets and to stop fishing here and to start abiding by our laws. And like I said, they refused to comply. So they were raided twice and Jeff Barnaby, the writer director was part, witnessed it firsthand. Um, and so, and that's kind of where this is all set and it's the same, you know, kind of idea. So, and the film is set in 1981. So I kind of have this idea that it's set kind of in that aftermath. So there's all, there's this really, really bad energy you know, around everybody, obviously. And so that happened in 81, and but it's not the first or the last time that's happened. And then actually just in October, there were reports, there is arguing, there is fighting, what is it? Um, inside Canada's decades-long lobster feud. So just this past uh, October in Nova Scotia, there has been... Um, uh, basically, the same, not exactly raids, but you know white people are coming in and they 're damaging things they 're starting fights they 're you know they 're arguing over who has the rights basically it 's very interesting to me that the focus seems to be that the government is using conservation, which I just kind of find very amusing that they 're telling native peoples that they 're overfishing or that they're de- harming the environment with what they 're doing um <laughs> while they're, you know, selling to, like, these multi-billion-dollar corporations to come in and take the lobster or to take the salmon or to take the wildlife. Um, I just find that very interesting that they're telling Native people that they're harming the environment <laughs> with what they're doing. Now, I don't really know the truth or not of, of what harm people are doing, but it just seems... I don't know, laughable to me, but
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, so I just
0: wanted to contextualize just that that's where he's coming from, at least growing up having this very real experience and then making this zombie film is fascinating. So go ahead.
1: Yeah, um, so yeah, my friend that I mentioned, um, your research was better than mine, um, but uh, he, he um, I was like, oh, it was weird this movie was start, set in 1981 and there wasn't really like anything particularly that it needed I didn't feel like it needed to be set in 1981 and he was like, Oh no, like that is like a really important time for those people. Um, and he also mentioned the um, recent thing in October. And um, just to like, you know, really drive the point home, um, I think um, uh, part of what happened is 200, um, uh, you know, people, you know, white people essentially, um, you know, vandalized, uh, peed on, uh, destroyed. Um, these, you know, these, these indigenous folks, um, you know, lobster traps and stuff. And it sounds really horrific. And it reminds me of the Tulsa massacre. Like, I can't read that and not see, like, you know, suddenly, you know, it's very recently that they started doing commercial, this commercial lobstering. um, uh, And that, um, you know, so they're starting to like, actually make money on these, like, based on these, you know, long standing land rights and they're, you know, the indigenous people are. Um, and, and so a mob essentially says, no, we will not have it. And that's pretty, um, uh, gruesome to me. I know I also read the stuff about conservation. I saw conflicting stuff about like, yeah, like the amount of what we're actually talking about, the amount that they're doing compared to like what the entire industry does is like minimal, but I won't pretend to be an expert in that, but just the, The descriptions of what's happened, you know, a month ago, um, the burning, the, you know, I just like, you know, as a black person, I was just like, I fucking, this is, I've heard this before. I've heard this story before.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and the government gets to define for native peoples what a reasonable income is because they were saying that they were making like a, what I read it was like eighteen hundred bucks, like which doesn't seem like a lot of money to me, but obviously, I mean, whatever. That's that's you know, but this idea that they should that they can fa- fish, farm, whatever that is, you know, enough to have like reasonable income, but not to really make a profit, not to become wealthy, was one of the things I read that that was like. A particular of this discussion that they that they should not be able to hoard wealth from the salmon fishing that they should just have enough to cover their needs, whatever that is. And it's very gray. And again, just like horrifying when you're talking about them giving these rights away to a, a multinational corporation that's going to come in and you know make canned salmon or lobster or whatever they're going to do. You know, it's a, again, it's a multi-billion-dollar food industry. Uh, Joe, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say so a couple things, right? So I I
2: think what it's very it's it's always very interesting when you have like uh, people who are a little more left of center or they're recently radicalized because of the 2016 election who are like, I'm gonna move to Canada, move to Canada, move to Canada. (laughs) Well, they're not. This is not. I'm going to like read these articles, watch Blood Quantum. It's not all, you know, rainbows. Like, there's, they have like a very more kind of, you know, I think a little bit more polite maybe, but (laughs) entrenched uh, history of this, like, of this racism, of this um, institutional oppression of Native people. Um, Oh, kitty. (laughs) Sorry. Just. Um uh sorry Zakia's cat entered the frame. Um Zakia's cat has entered the chat. Uh <laughs> Um and so so you know like I I think about that and I'm like yeah like this is like as as someone who is like also like um who's also like in the last 2 years trying to like understand like my own indigeneity like it's like mm-hmm. it's trying to um that's something that's also coming into not being afraid in like uh, in regular conversations with people that like well Canada's not that much better and here's why and you know there's places that are kind of founded on this kind of settler colonialism are not that much better and here's why, mm-hmm. um, so so you know one two it's interesting because like we in uh, a couple months ago when we were having the massive, um. The, the the massive kind of conflagration of, of California where, you know, all of these fires are happening throughout the state. There was an article that I believe was released by the LA times where it was just like, you know, Oh, you know, it, um, basically what indigenous people have been doing all along by having controlled burnings of their, of their land was made illegal in the state of California. And now they're finding out that actually those controlled burnings would have really helped. And so, it's like what indigenous people who know about the land, who their relationship with the land and with the earth and with their land specifically have known all along, it was made illegal and now it's being used again. And so it's, again, it it comes down to like, if it comes down to why are we telling exactly what you said, Joshua? It's like, why is the government saying that you, you know, this government is saying you can and cannot do with land that has been used for, um, thousands and thousands of years in a way that they probably fish so that way they know. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I know what the Mi'kmaq uh, fishing practices are, but like when you take care of those resources, like you always nurture those resources and you don't take too much than is given
0: or than, than you need. And so. Yeah, well, the idea that we, you know, that, yeah, we have to consider, like if you want to have more fish in the future, you got to leave some. <laughs> they mm-hmm. have to be able to... Populate. Um, mm-hmm. So I just I I, I did want to bring up the so incident at Restigouche. That's a, a 1984 documentary film, which is available on YouTube. It's not that long either. Um, which is a documentary film by this woman, Alanis Obomsawin. Um, she is a filmmaker of the. Uh, she's Abenaki, and so she made this um, documentary about that raid on the Restigouche, the Micmac First Nation um, raids that happened. And there's a direct quote from Jeff Barnaby who wrote and directed this film where he said that documentary encapsulated the idea of films being a form of social protest for me. And that's something that didn't even dawn on me until I was much older. It started right there with that film. So I just think it's very interesting that there's like this direct link as we've talked about on this show a lot about events that happen, the traumas that, that happen that are inflicted on people and how that finds its way into art uh, and particularly the horror film. Um, So with that, we can kind of talk a little bit sort of about this rise of indigenous horror uh, that's been happening. And I do, I, I keep going back to this awesome article because it's just, it's so good about, um, So, it's remarkable to consider that many non-Indigenous horror writers depict situations that Indigenous people have already weathered. Apocalyptic viral outbreaks that decimate whole populations, you know, for instance. Um, And I'm not sure what scares non-Indigenous horror writers and readers more, experiencing variations of what Indigenous folks have already endured for centuries, or the reality that they've built their entire country on literal Indian burial grounds. And then I would also add to that the ramifications of, you know what I mean, of, of, of suddenly being held responsible for mm-hmm. those same mm-hmm. horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I I, I really like this movie because of like that discussion right there, you know, you put indigenous people in this situation where they, they're immune to this virus. They're not feeling the effects of it. And, you know, of the direct effects, obviously they're, they're feeling what happens after and bringing white people in to, um, you know, who need their help and who need to survive and whether or not they're choosing, you know, to help them or not, I I think is really fascinating and a really interesting discussion, obviously of, um, you know the horrors of colonialism, and yeah, what does happen when it gets flipped? Is <laughs> mm-hmm. sort of what's being explored here.
1: Was that article? Um, who, who was the author of that article?
0: Uh, so that one is Alicia Elliott, um, who from the photo looks like a white woman.
3: Okay, um, interesting.
0: <laughs> so, um, but I, I, I can't tell. Um,
1: I'm gonna throw in. Um, some of the, uh, other ideas I picked up from Red Nation yes. podcast, yes. um, j- maybe just more for people to look up. Is I found it really provocative. Um, one of the people who was on that Halloween episode talked about The Walking Dead yes. and how it um, how it was actually an indigenous story, like how yes. um, uh, you know, and and how um, I think she um, had you know, as, as, uh, while wa- watching The Walking Dead, just saw so many things that were um, part of her own history, you know, her family's history, her... Um, and and I, I, that's just a really provocative idea to, like, already have been through the apocalypse. Um, at, at while, you know... And I include myself in it, um, you know, those of us living in, uh, you know, America, Americanized America, <laughs> um, you know, what we fear is is our our way of life being completely destroyed or some inv- foreign invader or something like that coming and um and the reality is is we th- these are the things that have been done to other people you know
0: so yeah yeah and yeah. the fetish the fetish, bleh, fetishization <laughs>
3: Mm -hmm.
0: within horror about like those experiences you know Um, but particularly you know you trade like white women you know in peril Mm -hmm. for the for these sorts of stories Um, so and we've talked a little bit about that especially you know in the context of yeah America and the horrors it's like you know we, we you know as white people know you watch a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and it's like oh these nice white kids are going for a drive to visit you know whoever and you know this horrible thing happens to them they get sidelined you know by horror and then you think of the very real possibilities for, you know, black people in our culture, you know, to, to, you know, go down to the store for a pack of cigarettes and be murdered in broad daylight as, you know, as like a very real world fear and a very Mm -hmm. real world event that like horror takes and makes, you know, seem like this could never happen. (laughs) You know, what, what a horrible thing to consider, you know, or like Mm -hmm. the apocalypse, you know, a zombie apocalypse, like, you know, we take that and it's this, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know if like a fetish is the right word, although I do feel like right now, given the, the state of the world, I think there is like a real fetish for like the purge and the apocalypse and like zombies. Like there, there are these people that really want to get out on the street and shoot guns and, you know, watch like the fall of society happen <laughs> because they've been raised on like 28 days later. And, you know, all of these kinds of, these kinds of movies, um, you know, when, you know, there are very real world, situations people Mm -hmm. alive today have survived such horror and have real horror to tell
2: and i think that's one of the ways i think that's something that's also kind of sort of addressed by the film as well it's like you know letting these white people in is a direct threat to their life so it's like you know the 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 letting in of the culture the letting in of the kind of you know I just love they call them townies, like, I'm just, I'm just mm. like, these townies, and I'm, like, you know, letting in the, the letting them in, in that way. Um, it's really, uh, it's really interesting that you brought up uh, The Walking Dead, Zakia because I was, like, is the fact that trailers like, the chief or the sheriff, like, yeah. is he supposed to be, you know is this an homage to Rick Grimes? And then, uh, with his father, like carrying around a samurai sword, I'm like, are we getting like, (laughs) are we like doing Michonne as well too? Like (laughs) the,
1: um,
2: I'm like, okay, I, I guess that's, you know, these are things that we have to have now. Um,
1: <laughs> Doesn't everyone want to cut off a zombie's head with a sword, though? Like, I mean, yes. that just might be a natural, like, you mm-hmm. know, thing within our soul that, <laughs> that no genre will be able to <laughs> to overcome.
0: <laughs> the director um, claims he's had yes. this before The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. this idea existed before. So, you know. Who knows if he's making that kind of statement.
2: Maybe it's the studio. It's undeniable,
0: like, culturally, (laughs) you know, that that happens. Because that was sort of the conversation that, um, and I I watched the first um, four or five seasons. I can't remember where I stopped at The Walking Dead. Because it just, for me, it just kind of, it was dragging a little bit. I I thought it was kind of repeating itself.
3: Mm-hmm. So maybe
0: I need to get farther in because somebody's, I read somewhere that the indigenous people do show up in the story, but one of the conversations yeah. they were having in on on the Red Nation podcast was like, you know, watch the show like, yeah, where are the indigenous people? And it's, you know, this idea that well they're on their reservations, they were used to not, you know, like power is intermittent, you know, cell phone, you know, like the things that like, we take for granted, you know, if like a power outage happens, and we all freak out, is like everyday life. So it's like, they're probably just you know, like this film could exist mm-hmm. within the walking dead universe like this. That's what they're totally. doing. <laughs> yeah. They just, you know, kind of were already prepared for an apocalyptic situation. Um, you know, it's just obviously with the, I, I mean, it's set way far uh, before. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I thought that was interesting. So I don't know. I mean, maybe somebody listening you know, is like, oh, I watched All the Walking Dead. And yes, there's this whole great conversation, but I don't, I have no
1: idea. It certainly wasn't in the first like seven ish seasons because that's, I think that's how much I watched or whatever. Wow. yeah. You got,
2: fun. yeah. I got up to, um, I got up to when they killed Glenn. Spoiler alert, it's like <laughs> many years old. Yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert um i mean it's in the comics it's in the comics for like 10 years, you know right. before that yeah um and so so one thing i want to bring up is um again you know when we're talking about like we're talking about in in indigenous people indigenous culture and one thing um especially joshua your comment about like the different meanings of blood what blood could mean in in terms of the film and so it reminds me of the this episode of radio lab that i listened to last year in about april of 2019 it's called american ish and it's an entire episode about um um uh, the kind of uh ambiguous political status of american samoa and specifically that um they're kind of blood quantum law if you will is that you they're not um officially u.s citizens they're u.s nationals they have you know a different type of passport but that means that they also have this um special kind of like self-determination where um you are not allowed to own land or inherit land unless you are more than 50 percent um Native American Samoan Samoan so which is interesting because there are people right now who are like petitioning the Supreme Court in getting American status or getting American citizenship for the folks of American Samoa so it explores the episode is interesting because it explores um kind of both sides of that argument it's like i don't want to be an american citizen but at the same time like i do because if they do allow that kind of citizenship in um if they do allow american citizenship that means that those laws which are so strict and like um you're not allowed to have like that kind of large development or whatever these are all things that can like there there's that's literal discrimination that can be fought and won in court for like larger corporations to come in and make, you know, again, so mm-hmm. to make that kind of money. And so you have these both things and um, what's, I feel like that's a very interesting concept, right? Because so like, being like an indigenous Chamorro person from Guam, where we are US citizens, I was like, I started to think about like, what would be, how would my life, but also the island itself be different if there was this kind of like, you, you have, you are your own thing, but you're under our umbrella, Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do want to highlight that there is a very, there's a very active independence movement. It's something that a lot of people on the, um, there's something that a fair amount of the people on the island do want, given the fact that there's an independent movement on Guam specifically, but um, it's kind of both sides of of this. But like, you're hearing it from like, oh yeah, my kids are, I'm half Samoan, my kids, you know, are, uh, my partner's white, my kids will never inherit this land that I have, like my ancestral home. And so like that's, you know, that's tragic at the same time, but it wouldn't have that problem if they were U.S. citizens. But at the same time, you're also like the kind of hard and soft power of American culture coming in as well too.
3: Hmm.
1: Wow. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see the role that like genetics and DNA and stuff have in these larger conversations, especially as they make their ways through the courts, because, you know, we know that, you know, race is fake, and also race is very, very real, you know, like, Mm -hmm. nationality is, you know, human-made concept, cultural, constructed, um, not biological, but we're using biology um, to make these distinctions, and it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, I think, like, For me, um, what I've been thinking about a lot is like, I think I was brought up through a left, left that has a white lens where, you know, we're all equal. We're all supposed to be treated the same. We're all, you know, no nations, no borders, blah, blah, blah. And I think it really um, just papers over some real, um, you know, what it means to be self-determinant. You know, what does it mean to build a culture? What does it mean to save, you know, preserve, um, what does it mean to be sovereign? What does it mean to, you know, do land acknowledgements when you're, you know, still going about your day to day? You know, like, like I think these are not easy answers, but like the more, we can bring those conversations into the here, now and present, not just, you know, so much, I, I feel like so much of how I was taught about um, ingenuity was about the past, you know? And, and what you're talking about, it's, this is, it's today, you know, a month ago in Canada, you know, like, like right yeah. now there are people defending the border wall in San Diego. Sorry, I'm on the soapbox. I will get off now.
0: No, it's already, it <laughs> echoes through. You
1: know,
0: but, I mean, yeah. It was very powerful to see like the native people in this film, like building a giant wall and keep people out. And, you know, I mean, it is, it's just very interesting. These echoes of, you know, and I mean, we've talked about that before where like oppression, you know, when you have an over, you know, this, um, structure of oppression and white mm-hmm. you know supremacy you know capitalism you know all the different ways that these things intersect economically socially you know and how those things echo down into the people oppressed by you know i think of the way queer people now we weaponize heteronormativity against each other and you know and what does it mean to be like okay as a queer person, you know, what's allowed and what's not allowed, you know, and, and how we even use that against each other. I think of the ways that, you know, women can weaponize the patriarchy, you know, and the ways, yeah. that, you know, race gets weaponized yeah. against, you know, colorism, you know, just within, you know, uh, within, a, within a group of people, quote unquote, you yeah. know, how they use utilize. So I think it's, I think it's very fascinating. And it echoes yeah. right into this film, you know, of like, cause I think there's these ideas of what, you know, especially like as white people, like when we're, when we're raised in Thanksgiving, you no, know, they want to help and they want to bring people in and take care of you, mm. teach you about our mother earth. And there's this whole <laughs> kind of thing. And then you go, well, but they were also very, you mm-hmm. know, we were talking I think on our, on our, um, our uh, uh, thread. It's like, well, yeah, but they also mercilessly killed each other too. <laughs> you know, a whole other element, you know, yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of violence amongst tribes, and a lot, and obviously, land disputes and things like Ugh. that. And you know, and so it's just because yeah. they're human.
1: Because yeah, they're humans,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, we, at the end of the day, all of us, we are mammals. We are preaching. We are part yeah. of the earth. And there, there's, there's resources that have to be. You know, that we have to utilize and share or not, obviously, hoard. (laughs) So it's, yeah, I just think it's interesting that this, this film has a lot of that going on in it, you know, in a lot of these conversations and headbutting about, you know, what we should and shouldn't be doing and who we should and shouldn't be taking care of. And um, I think it's very interesting. And so, um, so in that vein (laughs) to talk about carers, talk about women, talk about mothers, which I think Uh, is another major theme in this film. Because one of the, the native characters, you know, I love, he gives this whole little speech about um, the earth is sick of our shit.
1: You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, think
0: of, I think of like Mother Earth, you know, this sort of <laughs> I- idea. So we have Mother Earth abandoning us. Um, but yeah, he goes on to say uh, she's turned us into something she can use, fertilizer. You know and <laughs> uh, which was like the perfect the most perfect like yes this is the this
2: is like this is how the happening should have like <laughs> should have happened yeah like, which I've
0: talked about on the show I think a little bit with like death culture the fact that you know we have to stop cremating ourselves and we have to stop putting mm-hmm. ourselves into metal boxes or concrete boxes because the earth misses us she mm-hmm. needs us to return to her and so I think this was a very interesting way of like when you look at it, it's like we're killing the earth around us like like, you know, we are doing, you know, we, we're, we've we allowed, it, it's sort of like, I'm curious about, like, is that what he's saying? Like, you know, we we are close to the land that some of the white people don't understand. You know, we have to take care of it. And we didn't, for whatever reason. We were killed off, we, whatever. The, as protectors of the land, we failed at our job, whatever that is, and now she is said, that, that's why they're immune, is because they've been abandoned by the earth. And okay. she doesn't need them, you know. Uh, or, you know, she's put them, I guess, in charge of, helping restore her or something you know I'm not exactly sure It's I, I felt like a little bit you know a few different ways that that could be interpreted but I was just thinking about like yeah that idea of like you know when you think about like a, a really horrible virus like Ebola or something or, mm. or, or or what we're dealing with now like COVID killing all of these people and you think about the Earth mm. weaponizing herself against us you know of like you're going to poison the waters and you're going to dig everything up and you're fracking and you're doing all these horrible things to me like here's a gift from me to you to <laughs> to to help restore the balance, you know? And I think that's, I don't know that it gave me chills when he said that in fertilizer. Cause I was just Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I've been like talking about this idea, (laughs) not in that way, but you know, just that yes, the earth, we are necessary uh, to be part of, of, of the earth. So anyway, so you have that kind of this overarching mother, like mother earth abandoning. And then you have Lysol, his mother's died. We don't exactly know why I watched it twice, but I still, I'm not sure if I'm just missing something there.
1: Can I just say I just yeah. love this the way that they let these stories unfold without filling in every single particular right. detail. So like yeah, so I we, we don't I don't think we do know what happens to Lysol's mom, but like I love that you don't need to know. You just need to know like it's the relationship between the people that's imp- important and right. not the plot points. And I I just thought that storytelling was really good. But go yeah. on I just about assumed, mother.
0: Yeah, I just assumed it had to do something like you know. Possibly would like, you know, again with white people, you know, maybe something mm-hmm. happened on the res that, you know, and that she died in some, mm-hmm. you know, thing. And that's why he holds, you know, on to these beliefs that we need to not be helping these people. Um, you know, there's just, you know, the women in the film, they're mothers. Um, <laughs> they're kind of placed in that role. We have, uh, what's Joss? Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's. The nurse. Yeah. The nurse, yes. The nurse and, you know, wondering about if she's failed her son, uh, you know, Joseph. You have Joseph's girlfriend who's white who's carrying their child, um, which is a whole other conversation um, about what this child will be, you know, when, when it's born. Where will it stand on the, mm. you know, how, how uh, will it be indigenous enough to survive the apocalypse? You know, which mm-hmm. I think, which I think.
1: Or will it eat its mommy?
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. It will it eat its way out? And then you have Lilith, which. <laughs> It's a great name for like the fall of man, you know. Who she's yeah. unleashed as a zombie into, you know, to, to destroy. Yeah, her.
2: we painted like this. This was very much like let's name her Lilith. Like, <laughs>
1: okay, I missed that. That's great. It's a great detail.
0: <laughs> anyway, so that's kind of where like the women stand. So, Zakiya, you had posted about it, and I'm just curious for your your thoughts on.
1: I mean, it was pretty obvious that it was like a, a men's show, you know, like a men's, you know, like this is, there aren't, just weren't a lot of women in it. And the women who were, were caretakers, um, except for um, the one, you know, Lysol's buddy who helps like bring people in. Yeah. Um, and, um, and uh, you know, I want to see, you know, in, in the year of our Lord 2020, I want to see women kicking ass. I want to see them having their own life that isn't connected to men i want to see them um do something uh besides give birth and cry (laughs) um so
2: (laughs) well i mean lilith did bite his dick off so
1: (laughs) there's that okay so let's just okay so okay so (laughs) we got to talk about what are we saying about white women right because like white women in particular not white men white women are the problem in this movie a lot like they are the they're the they're the um uh, they're they're the Trojan horse right they come in you know and then they cause all kinds of havoc and they're sick and they make every re- so that's a thing and then men and their penises man like like so having so that story that Lysol told and then to turn that into He's gonna go hook up with this person, this woman, and then she's gonna bite his dick off. Um, and then he and, that, and that's and that's how he decides that I gotta murder everyone ever. Like that's a lot to unpack. That is a lot of. There aren't enough gender studies classes to get through all of that. Uh, you know, like so, where to begin? So. Yeah, that's where I'm at. It's just like, hmm. there's a lot here. And um, yeah, it's definitely not a feminist movie. I, I, our fr- the reason I had mentioned it in that chat was our friend, is highly sensitive to the treatment of women in film. And I was like, Oh, she's not going to like this. Oh, no, oh, oh, she's going to hate this.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I had high hopes because I like, so at the beginning of the film, you know, we, we get hints that something is coming because the salmon that have been gutted have come back to life and they're flopping around. That's how the film opens. Mm -hmm. And then there's the dog who um, trailer comes in and has to shoot. She's sick. And that turns out to be his ex-wife's dog. And so it's kind of a nice scene because the, you know, the guy that's there who was in Demon Knight, he played one of the, uh, he played one of the cops in Demon Knight, uh, but he's a, um, uh, you know, relatively, you know, famous indigenous actor. He was like, oh man, what I wouldn't give to shoot my ex's wife. And he's like, have you met my ex? And the next mm-hmm. scene is, like, is her like wielding an ax, like chopping wood. And I'm like, okay, cool. So she's cool. And then it's like, oh, she's a nurse and the mom, (laughs) you know, I had high hopes at the beginning because they did kind of show her, her introduction was doing this, I mean, quote unquote, like masculine thing in American culture. You know, when you think of some lumberjack out there chopping wood, you know, that's how we know she's a tough Mm -hmm. lady. You know, she's out there chopping her own wood. I I felt like visually. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, again, I don't know enough about, and again, I mean, I don't know how much we've had the opportunity to study indigenous films, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it made by indigenous people because we haven't, you know, had many because the, the, um, the smudging had, I felt this line of broiness as well, you know, with the women. And this yeah. also kind of, there was just a bro thing, you know, I felt with the way they talked about the women, especially women sitting right in front of them. You know, I just, I was like, what, a, it's just interesting that that was in both of these indigenous mm-hmm. horror films, just as very dismissive kind of, you know, sexual nature, you know, with the women around them. Um but yeah, to your point, yeah, his story about earning his red wings, as they call <laughs> it. Um <laughs> good point. And I saw coming a mile away, I was just like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what is gonna <laughs> um you know, and then the whole you're like laughing at a conversation yeah. afterwards. And then whatever drug they were doing because mm-hmm. and and again, it does get a little muddy where I feel like there could have been a little bit more clarification. I'm not sure what everybody's motives are. You know, like the mm-hmm. guy who helps him, you know, bring her in, and like you know, these are your, your people, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like not not just the white people are going to die in this. If that's the, if that's the goal, uh, bit-
1: yeah.
0: If Lysol's goal is to kill all the white people, but then he's like yelling, he has no family, so it doesn't matter to him. It's like
1: what? yeah, he's basically like everyone needs to go out, like everyone who yeah, like. Uh, Lysol loses his shit. Like he's yeah. just like done. I'm yeah, able to make of
0: that whole thing, you know, of like yeah. why they're helping him, why. Other than the same thing of, like, self-preservation. Like, because she, like, the the woman earlier, which I feel, and, and even in the description, it's two associates of his helping. It's not even, like, I can't figure out what her name is. Um, you know, they're in there at the beginning, like, too, like, you know, when they're um, they're harassed you know what I mean? Not harassing, but they're, you know, obviously they're being very, like, this is our place. We need to protect ourselves. Like, she's part of that conversation, too, you know, like fuck this white pregnant lady he keeps oh. bringing in strangers out of this, you know, so she's obviously aligned with, you know, Lysol's, um politics, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> within this, you know, yeah. I mean, this belief, which again, we've discussed is not necessarily wrong. I've talked about that in the past too, yeah. like, you know, mm-hmm. if I'm in like a group of survivors and there's some Racist idiot amongst us. It's like, mm. bye, sorry, you're not welcome. Like, there's, there's, you cannot like in this. We have to survive. We cannot be weighed down by stupidity. Yes, F- famously,
2: Joshua would leave Michael Rooker on the roof.
0: <laughs> made sure he was dead.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, he, he actually wouldn't have left him on the roof. He would have like you know double tapped him and made sure.
1: There's no seriously. Room. I know. The there's so many times in movies, shoot him in the head. It's the answer to everything. <laughs> um, but. <laughs> but um we're all
0: I th- in the apocalypse <laughs>
1: <laughs> i feel like the defense of this movie for people who aren't like super feminist is gonna be it's just a movie it's just you know blah 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 it's a gross movie there is the shitting on the car which <laughs> made me laugh
2: that was awesome
1: so <laughs> hard. like it's like you know like i am all on board <laughs> Even though the recipient of that horror was also uh, another white woman.
0: Right.
2: <laughs>
1: another white woman. So I feel like there's this aspect of like
2: <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't want to shit on Karen's car though, right? Like, I mean
1: <laughs>
2: I thought it was gonna be like I thought we were gonna go like, oh my god, he went up there to like commit suicide. And then when he like shed on that woman's car, I was like, okay, this is is fantastic. I'm in, I'm in now.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was oh my god. Uh yeah. Um but, <laughs> but yeah, I think like, you know, yeah, we're I think we're just beyond a lot of these sort of like easy um ways of, you know, treating women in right. movies and in life. <laughs> Although right. I I don't know how old the director is, but if he was alive in eighty one, he's like probably around my age. And like this is kind of like dudes around my age are just starting to get it. Right. And if like this movie was made, you know, probably started like a couple years ago. Um, just wishy that I wish there had been a woman in the writers room, you know, because mm-hmm. you can be gross, you can be sexual, you can be um, badass, whatever, um, you know, offensive um, without sacrificing like half of the human race. Um, right,
0: you know? absolutely, you know, and he himself yeah. described it: native zombie exploitation film.
3: Mm. <laughs> which if he's coming
0: from that sort of realm mm. like if he's trying to make a film that echoes like you know so many films like that you know uh-huh. you know these american made films or canadian you know horror films mm. that get made it's just kind of part of the genre but it doesn't have to be i mean you yeah. make a choice you know there yeah. are there are choices and again i i i wish i kind of knew more about like what it is he's trying to say outside of kind of having a colonial you know, yeah. a conversation about you know mm-hmm. colonialism and and white supremacy, and you know, and, and and again, and a little bit of that revenge fantasy of like let's flip the script here, and you know what happens when we're immune, you know, yeah. to, to this to this um, disease or whatever you know they're calling this plague, yeah. <laughs> you know, and how and how you know playing out like what if we're the colonizers, you know, quote mm-hmm. unquote, you know, what if we're in that position of power? You know, so yeah, that that is the the disappointing part (laughs) for sure with this
1: movie. Yeah, and there's so much good stuff, especially like Mm -hmm. COVID and zombies. Like, there's a lot to chew on. Like, there's you know, and the stuff about the land I thought was just really, um, you know, like just um, thought provoking and challenging. And you know, I think the fact that it starts in with fish you know like the Mm -hmm. fishing the rivers have been poisoned like there's just so much sophisticated storytelling that yeah the i think um um lysol's turn and sort of the treatment of women are sort of like um not as um developed or not as clear as so much of the other stuff which is you know pretty 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 well done pretty cool (laughs)
2: yeah that whole beginning with the with the salmon and then the dog too i was like yeah that's like in my mind i'm like that is something that i haven't seen i mean outside of resident evil but but like that's something like oh yeah it would if it's going to affect humans it's totally could also be affecting wildlife and then at that point where does your food force come from so like immediately yeah. i started to get really stressed out so i was like <laughs> so who, what's going on here with the food source and how are we securing that? And, you know, but like to see that too, um, to kind of have that play out with like, he guts it and then they're still moving and all that stuff. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, I
0: agree. I I think there's, yeah, some really good stuff here. And again, I mean, yeah, just could have used a little clarification. I mean, because they, you know, they keep blaming the death of uh, Lysol's mother, you know, that he's, like, gave him an excuse to be a shitty person, Mm -hmm. I guess. And, you know, and so it's like, is that really enough fuel to, like, want to kill your whole... People, like everybody, yeah, yeah. You know, and besides yeah. the drugs and everything else that kind of happened in the movie, where maybe he's just on some sort of you know insane God kick, um, but it, it just needed to kind of beef that up.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but yeah, there's just, I mean, there's a lot of disturbing it, imagery in it too. You know, I mean, a, a white woman like eating an indigenous <laughs> baby. I'm oh like, this is so like that was.
1: Yeah. <laughs> too oh my much. god! Oh my
0: god! But it's just a really frightening messed up image the way that yeah. and you knew it was coming like i was like oh my god yeah. oh
2: no oh no i was like this I, I immediately got i never felt so many different things i'm like oh my god this is inside this is inside again like right.
3: or
2: <laughs> with the baby and everything yeah,
3: it was
0: just, yeah. Um, yeah. there's a lot I, of stuff to chew on <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: uh, that's a pun <laughs> It's a terrible I pun. Um, I I think we should, uh, I mean, this is just me also being kind of like a language nerd, right? So, like, the word Lysol comes from the word oh, yeah. Lysis, which is, like, you know, loosening, dis- dis- uh, the dissolution um, of it. And also, like, it has that sanitary, like, aspect. I mean, this is my, like, oh. English composition, like... <laughs> The I, the cleansing. I, just, I,
1: I did it in my so mind. Oh my gosh!
2: And I brought in Shakespeare, and so you know we're you know we're well, good to go.
1: <laughs> well done, well done.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah. Overall, like it. It really. It was such a good film, and I just. I just keep telling people I'm like, yeah, this, this should be mandatory viewing every Thanksgiving, like
3: yeah. <laughs> mandatory viewing every yeah.
2: Thanksgiving because it's and every Canada Day, to be quite honest, <laughs> 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 because I mean, you you again, like it's that kind of wish fulfillment, right? Like mm-hmm. it's that idea that you like the. You're, you are the descendants of people who have survived genocide, literal genocide and literal plague and pandemic that was caused by these settlers whose descendants are living around you. And then now you are you're the only people, you're surviving the last pandemic. (laughs) You are the ultimate survivors because, um, and there's that power too. Like, I mean, I think that's one thing that kind of like Lysol taps into is that like, I have now that we now have the power to say who lives and who dies. And if you are not one of us by blood, you are, you are not welcome here. Like you are now the other. And in that way, it's like the reservation becomes the like last safe haven. But like, you know, with the threat of with the threat of like the encroaching white like invasion and cultural the cultural invasion that comes with it, it's like the reservation is the last place where um, people can feel truly safe. And but they're truly safe with their own, which has got to be difficult for like you know again like if you're thinking about you know we're not um you know we're not monoliths no one's a monolith so it's like everyone contains multitudes and so even with joseph having like his girlfriend and i think she says something where it's like they look at me like mm-hmm. you know the way that they the other people look at her and and, and especially, like, if you know that these are the people who are going to turn and potentially kill everybody, it's, like, that just to have that those eyes on you for, like, six months of, like, mm-hmm. this woman's, like, who knows what's going to come out of her, like, literally yeah. the natural way or the unnatural way, yeah. and then what's going to happen to her if she dies in childbirth and what's going to happen. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and shifting that, like, that fear, you know, to white people, you know, and and particularly to white women, like you brought up, Zakiya, um, who historically are are, are this protected class, you know, that, like, so much horror is about protecting white women, you know, and um, all the way back to, like, Birth of a Nation. That's what that is Mm -hmm. about, and that just feeds into all kinds of horror. So I want to leave... the episode with this quote uh, from the director, because I think it's, it's important, especially as we continue to keep our eyes open for more indigenous horror films. And um, so he says, in Hollywood, they want the white guy leading people like Tom Cruise. Our narrator is indigenous. Hollywood's idea of diversity is to have brown people on screen being told what to do by white people. I think ideas around culture and how it's represented have shifted. I would be interested to see how the Avatar sequel is received, for example. The original was framed as a white savior film, though Mm -hmm. it's obviously an indigenous story. How this will play out now when people are far more tuned into such stories will be interesting to watch. Absolutely yeah um so, and again, you know, this like the smudging, this film, it's a great you know, somebody's gonna see this, and they're gonna build on it and and continue to kind of have these conversations and I'm very, very excited uh to see how this particular subgenre of horror grows. so thank you so much, Zakia, for being here and for um re- bringing us you know reminding me of this film and, <laughs>
1: and um, it was um, such a pleasure, yeah, that was great. And, I feel like I learned a lot, and it was good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it was fun to like do research and kind of learn things that, yeah, that I also did not really know about. And that, you know, I mean, this, this film has a very specific context and that's really, really, really cool rather than being, you know, Mm -hmm. just sort of a a response to general cultural horror. Uh, Joe, are you excited? Christmas is coming. We're going to be starting, <laughs> you know, scary Christmas uh, celebrations. On I am, ex- I am very excited,
2: and you know, before we talk about Christmas, I want to say that like this, this movie, this episode is the reason. Like, it's just the reasons why I love this show and why I love doing <laughs> this show. It's because it's like there, you, there's, it's more than just what's on the surface. Like, it's, Absolutely. it's like if you. It, like, on the surface, yes. Did we watch a zombie movie where Native people got to kill, like, you know, <laughs> where where Karen was the problem, Karen and Becky were the problem, and, like, you know, one guy got his dick bit off, and, like, you know, like, did we watch a zombie movie like that? Yes, we did. But, like, you know, did we also talk about, like, the problematics of, like, the way the Canadian government has treated Indigenous people? Like, yes, of course. <laughs> um, and that's the reason why I love this. And I've been, like... And it's like I tell people that they need to watch this because I want to have the conversation after. Why did you show me that? I wasn't ready for her to bite the dick to her to bite that dick off. And it's like, well, actually it's about this and King Lear and you know. Like. So so thank you all for, you know, for for going on this journey, for being are my companions on this journey together. For being <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So, but yes, Christmas is coming.
3: It is coming. <laughs> and our,
0: our next episode will be starting off our uh, December 2020 uh, seasons, grievings series. It's going to be super fun. So, again, thank you, Zakia, for being with us, Joe, uh, Doria. I hope that you have a good evening, and uh, you know your nightmares are not too terrible. <laughs> bye, <laughs>
1: bye, bye, fans. <laughs>